Greetings, greetings, beautiful beings. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for listening to this podcast, choosing to spend some time with me and listen to some of my experiences and maybe learn something. Today, I wanted to talk about plant medicines, my experience thus far with plant medicines. Um, You know, I've been through quite the experience. I feel like I lived in a ayahuasca community for almost two years and kind of assisted, not kind of, but assisted with um, some plant medicine ceremonies with this guy that considers himself a wizard. (laughs) And he is a naturopath and has helped quite a few people with major addictions to things like heroin and um, and meth and stuff. So some heavier things. Um, and yeah, I just want to introduce myself first. My name is Kira, Kira the Sun. I am Kira the Sun on most social media platforms. You can find me on Instagram, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Um, I do have a Twitter, but (laughs) I write some controversial stuff on there so that, that is not for the lighthearted. No, I, I don't know. I think my uh, Twitter might be private right now, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to welcome you into the space, into my experience that I'm going to be sharing. Um, yeah, today's episode is going to be all about plant medicine, and I just want to let a little disclaimer. I'm not telling anyone to do these plant medicines. I am solely just spreading my experience um, and the little information that I have come across and um, resonate with. And yeah, I don't suggest anyone takes these medicines. It's not for the lighthearted. It is very serious stuff. Um, A lot of them can be deemed as dangerous because you can just enter a doorway and be gone. And I know that has happened with Iboga, with the guy that I um, did a few ceremonies with, the wizard. (laughs) He helped quite a few people with, like I said, heavy addictions to some hard drugs. And one of them actually passed on because... I think he was mixing whatever, I think it was heroin, um, with the iboga, and yeah, he he gets a bad rep, this guy, because of the intensity of these medicines, and I personally, with my um, little knowledge on this stuff, I, I don't think that he's very qualified to be serving these things, but that's why also it's important that I feel that I share my experiences, because you know, these medicines or a lot of people call them drugs are very serious and intense. And a lot of people are out here, um, serving these medicines without much knowledge on the power of them. So yeah, just wanted to say that a little disclaimer And yeah, on to these experiences, I wanted to kind of, I have these listed out here and I have quite a few medicines and I kind of wanted to just start out with the first one that everyone knows about and that is Sweet Ganja Santa Maria Cannabis 
um, many names for this medicine. It is the most widely known plant medicine, I feel like, and people get into it at a very young age, and I kind of feel like that's um, not so true for me. I think I came about cannabis a little later in life than most people, um, but it was actually an experience with my mother, and some people might think this is weird, but I think if it was my choice, like I would do it the same way. If I were to have children, I think that I would kind of introduce it to them in the same way, in the same light, um, especially in my stance now and where I am in my life now. Um, but essentially what happened was me, my mom and my brother were kind of in an argument, like not getting along. And we were all like, you know, in our rooms away from each other. And my mom essentially just knocked on our doors and was like, hey guys, so we're going to do a little something special family meeting, meet me in the living room. And yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna fix what's going on between us. And we're like, okay, what the heck? So we went to the living room and we sat in a circle on the floor and she brought out her little tiny pipe and put one little bit of a little uh shaking of weed in there <laughs> and um I was like what the heck is going on I was like pretty nervous because I had just of course I heard about cannabis I was um 16 years old I think when I first smoked when this experience happened and, um, you know, I'm already in high school and that's, uh, pretty late. I feel like a lot of people that I know started smoking weed, like, you know, 13, 14, 15, sometimes even younger at like 12, which I don't <laughs> recommend that because it does fuck with your brain chemistry. And when your brain isn't fully developed, um, it, you know, you kind of, it's emotionally dependent, um, essentially cannabis is like an emotional suppressant sometimes and can help you just feel chill when there's like things going on and you're just like, Oh, everything's chill. You know, I'm stoned. Nothing really matters. So, um, when your brain isn't fully developed, I don't suggest doing any plant medicines yet, but you know, to each their own. Everyone has their own experience. But yeah, so essentially me and my mom and my brother were sitting down in a circle and she said, we're going to take one puff of this weed and we are going to meditate together. And that was kind of my introduction to plant medicine. I, you know, smoked one puff with my family and we meditated and that was kind of like our little ceremony ritual family time thing once in a while that we would just smoke a puff of weed and sit together and meditate and I think that was a very um helpful way to enter this whole realm of plant medicine because I kind of developed a relationship based on respect for the medicine and um, you know, gave it the space to do what it needed to do and not, you know, try to crowd it with all these other things, which I did try later on, like after experiencing ganja with my mom and my brother, I did try a couple times to just smoke with friends and be, you know, stoned and stupid and stuff. And I would end up getting major paranoia and anxiety and like, 
a couple times called my mom to pick me up because I was like, I, I smoked and I'm stoned and I don't like where I am. And she was like, the message was always like, you see, this is why we do it together as a family and we don't do it with strangers. <laughs> well, not strangers, but you know, people that don't really know our true being. And um, yeah, I think that was helpful for my experience and, and kind of what I needed to go through and how I needed to be introduced to it. I do ebb and flow with my relationship with cannabis. Um, I, for a while, was smoking all day, every day, which is known for potheads to do that sort of thing. It, you know, it helps with anxiety. It helps you, like, focus on what you need to do. And I don't know. I, I have developed, I feel, a more clear relationship with cannabis where it's like, now I only smoke when I when I feel like it's gonna help me. But also sometimes I smoke and I'm like, uh, I could have gone without smoking, you know. And I think that kind of shows progression with the relationship where it's like, okay, I know when it's actually making me feel good and when it's not making me feel good. And um, it's a really good medicine for when I'm on my moon, when I have cramps, or when I'm like PMSing hard and I'm angry, like it's my medicine for that, you know? And then I'll get into this little cycle of like, after I smoke from my period, like when my mood cycle is done, then I'll just keep smoking. And it's like, no, I don't need to. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned, it's, it's emotionally addictive. So like it, I also feel like it's such a, like a title, like personality thing that we put under ourselves when we consider ourselves weed smokers. It's like, well, that's part of my personality and who am I if I'm not smoking, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it, it was something weird for me where it's like, you know, smoking spliffs was like my thing. Like all the time I was rolling a spliff and it's like, you know, who am I if I'm not driving in a car smoking a spliff? And it's like, I, I did get kind of addicted to the, the oral fixation aspect of like breathing in and out smoke and like seeing your breath and like that sort of meditative thing. But I think, you know, just actually focusing on the breath might be a good, <laughs> um, alternative for that. But yeah, I do think it, it's a bit emotionally addictive. It, it plays into my emotional, um, addiction to food as well. Cause then when you get hungry, it's like, you know, wanting these different senses of comfort and stuff. So that's sort of my take on that. And I know some pot smokers out there don't like to hear that weed is addictive because it's not physically addictive. You don't have withdrawals from weed, like physically, it's just emotionally you, you do, and you want to smoke it, but yeah, that's sort of my take. I, I've been ebbing and flowing with my relationship. And um, yeah, I go in, in spurts where I'm like, well, I need to take it back a little bit. And then sometimes we're like, hmm, I haven't smoked weed in a while. Maybe I'll like it. <laughs> um, and I did call it Santa Maria in the beginning that um, I want to mention uh, with ayahuasca um, traditions with Santo Daimi, they smoke cannabis and like the name for it during the ceremonies is Santa Maria and they're opening the gate of Santa Maria and inviting her in. So it holds a special place, you know, with, um, certain medicine traditions to open different channels and different, um, doorways to things. Um, 
The next medicine that I was introduced to, also by my mother, <laughs> um, we did this together as a family again. It was mushrooms, and I think that's a another interesting thing. Like, not a lot of people do mushrooms with their parent, and I think it was... It, it helped so much with the the scary aspect because it's like, oh, I have my mom here. Like, you know, that motherly uh, energy of nurtured, like nurturing and feeling held and secured because your mom is there. Like you don't have to hide it from your parent that you're tripping out. And we did that at um, a drum circle and it was like a small drum circle on the beach and it was really nice, and I think the first few times that you do mushrooms, it's like the happy side or like the the fun like games and the tripping out for the first time, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is fun. Look at all my power. Look at the world's power. Oh, it's amazing. What can we explore? And then once you do medicine, like mushrooms or ayahuasca and like get into the work, then it becomes a little more difficult and more like work, you know, you're doing like deep inner work with it. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable and people see those times as bad trips. But I think that there are moments for us to really become aware of certain aspects of our mind and look into the shadowy aspects of our mind and like what's going on in the deep, dark corners, you know, and kind of just bringing awareness to that. So um, when I take mushrooms, I know it enhances my creativity and like, it makes me want to sing and dance and write music and, um, meditate and like just work with my own energies and my own talents. And, um, it obviously more recently, we've been aware of the fact that mushrooms and psilocybin are being used in clinical studies um, for PTSD, depression, and terminal illness. Um, I saw recently that they're working with cancer patients with mushrooms because I am also a firm believer that, you know, any uh, sickness or dis-ease is actually a dis-ease in the body, you know? And that's what it technically, like everything is a external manifestation of what's going on internally. Um, whether that be with just thought patterns or um, diet and, you know, what we eat and what we consume, even visually, auditory, like all this stuff becomes us. So, um, yeah, I think working with mushrooms for like noticing these things and realizing these patterns in ourselves is important to just bring awareness to it and I don't think you need mushrooms to become aware of that but it is this gateway all these medicines are like this fast track doorway that you just you taking these medicines is like opening the door and you're there you know you see through that lens of what the medicine is needing to show you um it's mushrooms is really playing a big role I think in the next step forward with mental awareness and mental health it's like so many people are becoming conscious of you know the the law of attraction and stuff and it's like okay well how do we do it you know like and we're all programmed so differently based on our location in the world and our family and their upbringings and the trauma that they went through like our mind is literally shaped before we're even aware of our existence you know 
and mushrooms really opens that like perspective where it's like okay what what are my programs going on in my mind um if you want to know more about the studies going on with mushrooms and other plant medicines um like lsd and stuff um i would check out it's called maps so maps.com it's the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies um, and they've been doing a lot of different studies now. They're like, you know, the main program or organization, um, mainly doing different trials and stuff with, with people that have, you know, PTSD, depression, terminal illnesses. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff to be examined on just different ways of taking this medicine for instance microdosing mushrooms is a totally different experience than taking a you know three gram or more dose even taking a one gram dose of good mushrooms can be a really expansive experience and I recently like a, a few weeks ago took a gram of mushrooms and I thought it was going to be like more light mushrooms like I didn't know their strength yet so that's why I, I took a gram and it was just under a gram actually and I thought it was going to be more of a microdose and it ended up being a pretty powerful experience for like a good four or five hours so um yeah I think microdosing is a really good way to um see how you react to these medicines um I microdosed for a little bit of time just taking a little bit and it was almost like the mushrooms were telling me at a certain point like this should be your multivitamin is like a little bit of mushrooms and it did help a lot with like just clearing my mind and not having all the excess of the mind programs you know to things and just actually acting on things in a way that serves my soul and um People microdose with mushrooms, people microdose with LSD, people microdose with MDMA. Um, you know, you can you can pretty much microdose with any of these things and just see how you feel if, if any of these medicines are calling you and like see, you know, over a few days or a couple of weeks, like how your mind um, is, you know, accustomed accustoming or becoming accustomed to these different medicines and if it's making you feel better or worse or what like it's really good to kind of just have a little introduction on your own with microdosing because it's there's no really big danger in in microdosing these things um and lsd i wanted to talk about my experience with just microdosing a little bit and how like that was totally different than my experience with taking a large dose of LSD. I've only done LSD twice. So the first time was also with my brother. My mom wasn't involved in this um, <laughs> little medicine journey, but we, me and my brother took, um, he had a little tab of LSD and I was like, whoa, where did you get that from, Brodeo? And um, he had mentioned that he, you know, bought it from a friend, whatever. And I didn't really know the friend. So I, I was skeptical on, you know, taking a, a full half, like that's kind of an oxymoron, but taking a half tab 
was like a little much for me I feel like to experience firsthand because I was just scared of it like my initial reaction to all these things is just being scared of it and I think that that is kind of dangerous to go into these things with fear because like they're plants you know a lot of these things are coming from plants LSD is present in many different plants all around the world so um, it's not something foreign to the human body, but we've been told that these things are like terrible and going to make us go crazy. And it's like, if you give it that power, it's going to make you go crazy. <laughs> so, um, me and my brother with this first little dose of LSD, we took a quarter of a tab and we went to a little museum aquarium thing and, um, it was just, it was nice. We were happy. Our, the colors of everything were like enhanced. Our mind was broadened just enough to like be like, whoa, this is cool. And nothing really happened other than that. Like we just saw like brightness and colors. And, and then so later when we got home, we were like, let's take the other fourth of a tab. So, you know, we split the tab, um, and, you know, essentially both took half, but spread out. And, you know, it just gave me energy, kept me up for the night. We watched the Amy Winehouse documentary, like, and we we're like, oh, you know, this is cool. This is nice. We're, we're learning things, you know, about this person. And it was just, it was a, a nice experience to have for the first time. Um, and I do know a lot of my friends in high school were, tripping out on LSD quite frequently and um I don't know I just feel like in in that stage of life it's I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to have to deal with school and parents and and you know all these little things that happen in our lives growing up that like are like these little fake groups that we tie ourselves to and like then having to go through LSD where it just takes apart all of that like that would be a lot for me so this happened like later when I had graduated so it was it's interesting like kind of with that clean slate of the mind to experience these things um and I kind of recommend that for going into any medicine um just kind of not having any expectations and just having like a clear mind you don't really want to have anything too stressful on the mind um that was my kind of experience with the larger dose of LSD later on um, with my partner now. It was maybe about a year ago. Um, it, I was kind of coming in from the sense that like I had never taken LSD because I microdosed but I had never really experienced the full capacity of LSD. And I had some stuff on my mind happening with my family and stuff. So that was kind of um, a loop that I was in with the LSD where it was like I was agonizing over this thing going on in my life. And it was like there was no solution but to just let it happen, you know. And I just kept agonizing and getting to the solution and agonizing about it and getting to the solution just like, running circles in my mind about like all the different ways that I could fix it and then the solution was just to leave it alone all the time and I was just like 
man, it's like my mind doesn't want to leave it alone. And this experience with the larger dose of LSD was <laughs> a pretty interesting one because it was me and my partner had gotten some, it was just in a bottle like with a little dropper and it was just liquid pure LSD. And we took one drop of it um, just as the sun was starting to set and, you know, we were waiting an hour went by and we're like, hmm, we don't really feel anything. So, <laughs> you know, usual story of how people take LSD is that they take too much for the first time. But um, it's always how it goes. You don't feel it in an hour and you're like, let's take more. So we took another drop of the liquid LSD and then we're like, let's roll a joint. And as soon as I rolled the joint and took the first puff from the joint, then it was like, I'm there. <laughs> You're here in the LSD realm. Welcome to the molecule. And I was like, holy shit. Everything was just the, like, you know, traditional LSD pictures and stuff like the trees were like pink and it was you know all these different rainbow colors happening and we were looking at the sunset happen and it was like the most poetic thing like of the light and the dark you know fighting for the last chance and it was just like so intense and then we were like holy crap and we just took another another drop so we're in it for real tonight like we're gonna just be in it tonight and it was like the the molecule just laid itself out in front of me and it was like you know it looked like a board game and it was like you know you can do any path you want in this little game it really depends on your intention right now in this moment and how you hold yourself in this moment and like the power of now, you know, you can choose to go crazy and, and overwhelm yourself with fear and anxiety, or you can just be at peace and breathe and go through it and see where it takes you. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go down the happy route. Let's just breathe and be at peace. And I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be learning whatever is coming up and let's just experience it. And like, I think that's an important mindset to go into any of these things, especially when you're doing it with someone else there. And like, this was, you know, this was happening with my partner and like, we are very comfortable in front of each other. And it was just, it was nice to like, know that I'm holding space for myself, but also this other person and kind of like keeping that that groundedness in it like we're experiencing this right now perfectly and I'm just here to learn you know if you have too many expectations like trying to solve a life problem with any of these medicines it's just going to be too much you know you're holding on to too much before going into something like this that it's like it's gonna like try its hardest to break that down and it's going to be pretty uncomfortable to break that all down and like I said I kind of just breathed and went through it but then later I still had this thing in the back of my mind bothering me and you know it ultimately came up multiple times and kind of trapped me in this loop with it but you know as long as your intention is to stay pure and to stay grounded and and just experience things like it will it will solve itself out and um LSD was a a pretty 
pretty cool experience. I don't know if I would do it again pretty soon. It t it really does take a toll on the mind to do any of these things. Like for the next day or two, you're like just done. <laughs> don't want to think of things. Don't want to like have to have the brain capacity to make any decisions or do anything. It's just like rest and rejuvenate the mind after that. So, um, yeah, that was LSD. Now I want to talk a little bit more about, um, uh, so those three cannabis mushrooms and LSD were kind of like the first things that I was introduced to. And I think those are the most commonly known plant medicines. Um, now cacao is really getting, um, some hype and it's getting a little bit of <laughs> hype from two different sides. Some people, um, in like the health community aren't really fans of cacao because they say, it is a neurotoxin and they actually call it cracow, like crack. <laughs> so, um, and I did see like before I got into, um, plant medicines and stuff and like raw cacao and its benefits, like I did see things on some, like, I think it was like in Australia or something or New Zealand that they were like, party kids were like snorting cacao instead of Coke to like, you know, get a buzz or whatever. So uh, it's pretty controversial. I think the the main thing is like, it's like coffee. And like, if you think of coffee, coffee is kind of like Coke, it, like in the way, like if you have a strong double shot of espresso, I mean, I've never done Coke, but I've heard from a couple of people that a very strong shot of espresso, like, or double shot, whatever, that that is like snor snorting coke, like it's the same thing. So I don't know how true that is, but cacao and coffee have many similarities in the way that when you roast it, the caffeine, you know, comes out and the caffeine is sort of like this protection against other insects and animals and stuff. Um, so raw cacao, uh, is kind of what I got into. Um, and I was, uh, more recently hosting cacao ceremonies. And I think I experienced a, a little bit of the, the downside of taking a decent amount of cacao frequently. Um, it, it really does suppress appetite. And if you don't hydrate enough, it can make you have serious headaches and get nauseous. And like I've thrown up before because of cacao. So it's definitely a strong medicine and it doesn't seem like it is because everyone knows of cacao. Everyone knows of chocolate, right? The whole world is aware of chocolate, but when you take chocolate in its purest form and especially unroasted chocolate, like the cacao beans are just fermented and then grinded into a paste, like that has so many different like things going on, like different chemical compounds happening where it's like there's so much it's so complex right and raw cacao has all of its you know fats and all of its what people you know that rave about cacao say it has so much nutrients and antioxidants and you know all these different things to to heal so many different things physically but also you know the mayans originally brought the traditions of like 
using it ceremonially and using it spiritually to heal the heart and I still think it's good for those things yes but everything is good in moderation everything is helpful and medicine when you use it as medicine but once you start using it as like this daily thing like a part of your routine then it kind of becomes too much it becomes like this this habit that it's like we we don't really need all these habits and routines and things that we do every single day it's like some days we need them and some days not and you know coming into balance with all these things is i think important but um essentially the neurotoxin in cacao that people talk about is the theobromine theobromine i i'm not sure I think you can pronounce it both ways. (laughs) And um, people say that a daily intake of 50 to 100 grams of cacao, and that's a lot of cacao, right? So I don't think you should be taking more than 40 grams for a, a dosage of cacao, and that's on the high end. So they say 50 to 100 grams daily has a lot of theobrimine that it can lead to nausea and anorexia. So I definitely can understand where the um, other side of the argument comes from, how, you know, it's, uh, it's unhealthy in large doses, but just like anything is, you know, so we have to kind of take the information that we get from around us and our own experiences and put them together and make how we come out into the world. <laughs> but yeah, I was... Um, hosting a few cacao ceremonies just when I was going back to um, Florida where I'm from and just bringing the raw cacao from the family here that I've met um, that is working with the Bribri tribe in Costa Rica and they make all the raw cacao themselves and it's like a whole um, group of women besides the the husband of the family which he is very feminine in his energy so it's like you know it's just all this loving feminine energy going into making the cacao and I really liked supporting them and stuff so I was doing some cacao ceremonies to bring it back to my friends because I feel like it's it's the least invasive there's no real psychedelic effects of cacao so I think it's a it's a nice one to get into kind of to replace maybe um coffee or um yeah just to have a a few little ceremonies to yourself and really tap into the heart it really helps just make you aware of your heart space um and I think it's lovely for that and that it's no wonder that it's a a widely known thing just in in culinary um, or, you know, just in food, you know, it, it, people know that chocolate makes them feel good. And it's known that chocolate helps with menstrual um, cramps and just cravings and all this stuff. So it, it is a medicine when used as such. So as is all of these. And um, yeah, so that's my little take on cacao. Next, I wanted to talk about Ambil and Mambe. Now, I mentioned <laughs> a little bit before that I have never done coke, but coke comes from the plant coca, and Mambe is actually coca leaves grinded up 
and well dried and grinded up so I have done coca but I have not done the white powdery stuff that you sniff up your nose mambe is a powder that you put in your mouth just like you let it sit in your mouth and it's most likely paired with ambil and what ambil is is a tobacco paste so it kind of um it just smells like strong tobacco and it's it's really good for um, a lot of topical things so like bug bites and and cuts and stuff like it, if you apply it on the skin it's actually really good to help fight infections and um it's medicinal topically and like physically um but when you pair it with mambe it's known to work in a symbiotic relationship to help sweeten and align our words so it's like this um personification or it's like really representing the the union of the earth and the creator so the father and the mother uh, the father and the creator being represented by tobacco and the mother and earth being represented by coca and this sort of this is taken together in a you know ritualistic um, way to you know give you energy and help with our communication um, it's uh, on the nature within us um, they say you know, this is a little quote from them, is that it clarifies and sweetens our communications um, and makes us more sincere with our dealings. And they kind of speak about more of the sacred union of the Mambe and Ambil. Um, I personally, my experience with the two is that when I take Mambe alone, <laughs> that's when I get super crazy energy like that's when I feel the effects of the coca and it's like really strong energy and like clarity um Ambil and Mambe for me like when I mix them it's not really as strong for some reason um and that's just my experience I mean my partner uh occasionally will take some Ambil and Mambe and he always uses them together so I don't know. It's just been my experience. I also don't really like the tobacco paste. Like, I, I don't know. I, it just tastes weird to me. And, <laughs> but I do use it topically for different things. Um, I actually have an interesting experience with Mambe though. So, you know, all these things are, yes, natural. And also people use Mambe as a coffee replacement as well but um I have an interesting and funny experience with mom bay where when I was in the states um I was there for like a Halloween and I wanted to go out with my friends for Halloween so we went to Manor in um in Florida and South Florida and it's a a gay club and you know, it was all fun. All the gay people were out, you know, in the streets, all dressed up, looking good. And we went to the club manor and we were dancing, whatever. And <laughs> I had taken 
a pretty large dose of mambe, like probably like double the amount of what I usually would take. But I was like smoking weed and like, I don't really drink alcohol. So I'm usually the designated driver and, you know, I'll just smoke a little weed and be chill and everyone else can drink and I'll drive everyone home. So I was smoking and usually, you know, if you're smoking and you're out, you kind of don't want to be out anymore. You're like, I want to go home and eat and be in my bed. <laughs> so I was like, let me take some mambe to kind of counteract the laziness, you know? So I took a large dose of mambe and in this club we were dancing and all of a sudden they put on these smoke machines but these smoke machines were like fucking amped up <laughs> there was no seeing like literally less than a foot in front of me I could not see and I started freaking the fuck out I was like oh no someone might have a gun in here someone might have a a knife someone can just stab you and like no one will be able to see who it is because it's just so smoky in here and like the lights were going crazy so I couldn't see shit I my heart starts pounding and I'm like no 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 I don't like this I grab my friend by the hand and because I like I just knew in my mind the layout of this club and I just fucking ran and went for it and it was like I was blindfolded running for the door because I literally couldn't see anything and I just knew the way to get out and I had my friend in my hand and he's like what the fuck was that like what's wrong and I'm like I do not like the smoke that was going on in there I don't know what the fuck they're putting through those smoke machines like I just didn't like it I started freaking out you know I feel like something bad is gonna happen in the club and he was like, okay, just stay out here. I'm going to get the rest of our friends. And I just stayed outside on the street and I was vomiting from the like panic. And, you know, I was vomiting all the mambe that I had taken, but it was like, it was just a lot. And then ever since then, I kind of didn't really take it as frequently because I was, I was taking mambe like pretty much every day, um, just because I, I needed energy to like keep doing what I needed to do and it was just you know after that point I was like okay maybe I don't need this so much right now but when I do you know have some stuff to work on I'll occasionally take a little bit of mambe just to give me that extra little boost but yeah that was a funny little experience so like I said in the beginning none of these medicines should be taken lightly you know and we learn from our own experiences um just our own tolerance and like you know what is appropriate for us because some people it's more some people it's less and most of the time it doesn't even really matter on the dose it's just about what you need to be learning in that moment um another really in interesting medicine um that i've been seeing a little more talk about these days um is sananga and sananga is seriously a warrior medicine like it it is not really psychedelic it doesn't make you trip but like after you kind of get sort of like a high from it just in the way that like you get a high after working out um it's like that sort of same kind of like clarity and like you know it's really painful because it's eye drops right so sananga it's this juice made from this shrub and <laughs> I don't know if I can pronounce the, the plant that it is correctly but let me try it's called <laughs> Tabernae Montana Udulata Udulata yeah 
Tabernae Montana Urulata. But anyway, that's the plant, if you want to know. Um, and it's, uh, it's an Amazonian medicine, so it's a plant most likely just found in Brazil in the Amazon. Um, and they take this plant, this like bushy shrub, and they, you know, grind the, the leaves and get a juice from it. And um, it's a really, really strong juice that gets placed in your eyeballs. You put one drop in each eye and it has been like known to cure anything happening with the eyes. So it apparently, you know, there hasn't been many studies done on this, but this is the reason why these tribes take these drops is to treat and prevent ocular diseases to treat and prevent glaucoma, cataracts, sorry, (laughs) cataracts, far and nearsightedness, astigmatism, and blindness. So pretty much anything going on with the eyes. Um, It kind of helps shed any toxicity in the eyes. And, you know, there are some people that read eyes, you know, can like see the different things going on through your eyes so the eyes are kind of like a map of what's going on inside um it sananga also detoxifies the body so physically and spiritually i guess like um metaphysically (laughs) detoxifies there's this word that they use um i think it's pronounced panima um and it is basically the word for like energetic blocks or like energetic curses or karma um and sananga helps detoxify this stuff from your body um it increases visual perception and enhances colors so like when you take the sananga like immediately after you notice how sharp your vision is and it really like just clears all that cloudedness in in your eyes and then also like the cloudedness in your mind it can help with depression anxiety and um like anger like deep rooted anger um and it clears your energetic field so it kind of like is since it's going into the eyes it's like also um like helping with the third eye in a sense it kind of you know clears all this like stagnancy that is happening in the head um it's really hard to be thinking of anything while you're um receiving sananga and it burns for about 10 minutes i'd say like really strong for just like one minute probably one to two minutes and then you know it's just kind of like this like rawness feeling in the eyes but it's definitely a warrior medicine and there's people that do you know long little journeys with them will where they will take sananga every day for like a week or so and then you know get off of it because you need to give your eyes a break for a little bit of time and then you can take sananga again but yeah there's been um quite a few accounts of people saying that you know once you once you do it for a little while too it's it doesn't burn as much and like it really does become this like energetic high you know we can find pleasure in pain when we get past the weakness that is leaving our body from this pain um and sananga is 
commonly paired, I feel like, with my knowledge of um, medicine. I, I know it to be paired a lot with combo, which is another warrior medicine. Combo is so <laughs> intense to go through because you're essentially just taking something to make you throw up all your toxins for a solid like 10 minutes. And combo is this, uh, this substance that is scraped off of a frog that secretes this substance, right? And it, this frog kind of uses it just as like a, a UV protection from the sun rays because it has no natural predators and no one is really hunting these frogs. No animals are trying to eat this frog. So it's not like a poison for defense. And a lot of people talk about combo like it's a, a poison, um, but it's not really poisonous. It's it's a substance, a secretion from a frog that contains a lot of peptides. And like the peptides, essentially, peptides can work in many different ways. And what these do is kind of pull the toxins from our body and make it go down into either our colon or, you know, our intestines um, or, you know, just the, the, um, the stomach where you can just throw it up, right? So you either throw up purging or you can, you know, poop to purge. Um, some people cry and sweat and shake to purge. So it really depends on your body, but combo is another really intense one where I think a couple of people all have experienced, um, you know, death from, from not having a, a knowledgeable combo, uh, medicine person serving it to them. Um, and essentially how you, you receive the combo, um, it's, little you so the person that's serving you combo has a little stick um and the person that we received combo from was telling us this story of the stick that he uses like he solely uses a specific uh plant for the twig because it's the stick and the plant that the frog is usually found on and usually just chilling on is from this plant. I have no clue what this plant is and I tried to look it up to find out. But anyway, so it's this little twig and it's burnt at the end of the twig and they just burn like your skin. They poke little like little spots on your skin um, just to scrape off the top couple layers of skin so that the combo can be applied to the skin and enter the lymphatic system. So it, you don't want to be going deep with the combo. It is not supposed to enter your bloodstream. It's not supposed to, like, the spots are not supposed to bleed when they hit you. It's like just the tiniest little burns to just remove the top few layers. And they put a couple little dots. Depends on who you're going to, you know, how they serve the medicine, how they do the dots, whatever. But you just receive a few dots of this medicine on the little burn marks and then you drink a shit ton of water. Like, I think it's like, depending on how big you are and how this person holds it, it's like, you know, you drink two liters of water while they're applying it and then they take it off and you throw up all that water with all the toxins that this combo is pulling out of your system. And then you drink two more liters of water and then they take off the combo 
and um, it's it's very uncomfortable. It's not like it's not just something that you do just to do and have fun. No, it's like it's serious medicine, and your body is kind of beat after because you're throwing up a lot for like I said, like 10 minutes. Um, and you don't really have time to be tripping out or be in a psychedelic world because you're just focused on getting this stuff out of your body. Um, and it actually combo the process. You have to be careful. You don't want to, if you are pregnant and you don't want to get rid of the baby, um, the process can cause a miscarriage. I do know someone that has used it to induce a miscarriage. So if you will, a natural abortion, I don't know how to even say that without um, sounding weird and maybe having some people upset at that. (laughs) But um, I mean, some people don't want babies. What can you say? But the process after the fact, will increase fertility. So after you take combo, you want to be, um, you know, pretty celibate if you aren't trying to conceive. So the process can cause a miscarriage during like the whole throw up thing, like that can cause a miscarriage. But once you're complete with combo, it increases your fertility. So it's a very interesting medicine. Um, it was actually started by and named after this guy, Kampu, um, and he discovered Kambo on an ayahuasca journey. And the whole tribe that he lived in, like, you know, his tribe, they were sick and people were experiencing different illnesses. And he took ayahuasca and the ayahuasca showed him how to collect Kambo from a frog and how to apply it. Um, and it healed the tribe. So that's kind of the little background story. Um, and the peptides are, um, in the, the peptides in the combo, in the secretion are dermaceptins and they are antimicrobial. Um, and they have, uh, like antibacterial effects. So they fight against parasites and viruses. It's also anti-tumor. So it, it like cures a lot of different illnesses going on in the body. Um, another one that is closely tied to the same, um, experience, uh, I've known combo to be paired with Sananga, like I mentioned before, and also Hape. So Hape is... A lot of people call it rape because of the way that it's spelled. Um, but the pronunciation is hape. Um, I sometimes say rape just so people know what I'm talking about. And it really depends. It, I don't think it really matters that much. Um, as long as you're giving respect to it, <laughs> it respects you back. So what rape is, hape, rape, I'm going to go between the both because I say them both. But um, it's a snuff. And it um, usually, but not always, contains tobacco. And when it does contain tobacco, it is very strong tobacco, pure, mapacho, you know, straight tobacco. Um, And there are different, like, depending on where you are in the world, what tribe is making your hape, it has different, you know sacred ashes or different plants and herbs sometimes they put like cacao in there 
Um, they'll burn like different sacred woods and put the ash in there and it's a snuff so it is applied through your nose and there's a little um, applicator type thing where you just you can do it by yourself where it just like is a little v and you just like into your nose blow it into your nose or there's like a longer one where someone else can serve you the chape and you know they blow it into your nose and you don't really you don't really consume this it just goes in your nose and then you blow it out or spit it out and it is known to um help with sinuses because it's like carrying all that mucus from the sinuses out and helping you move it out um and i've also used it a lot for headaches and migraines because it like you can feel it clearing the congestion in your head and like clearing the channels um and it's also known for helping open your third eye um, and kind of decalcifying the third eye. And it, um, a lot of people say that it gr- brings them grounding, clarity, and focus. Um, it is very grounding because of the tobacco. Tobacco is a, a grounding medicine and it kind of just like pulls you to the earth and it's like, okay, you're here right now. <laughs> you know, like let's move all the other stuff aside and just whoop, bring you down so not down like in a bad way but like bring you down to earth and like centered and grounded um so that's a little bit about jape um i mean i think that that is also becoming a little bit more popular um widespread a lot of these are really because the the whole psychedelic movement is um pretty out there right now I mean and the next one we're going to talk about is ayahuasca and like I want to just mention like I I experienced ayahuasca here in Costa Rica in an ayahuasca community that um heavily focuses on Santo Daimi traditions and then when I went to the states and visited some friends they were showing me a little documentary online called Kentucky Ayahuasca and like it was kind of traumatizing to watch the people go through that I was like holy shit like people are really doing this medicine in this way like in a barn in the middle of Kentucky with some guy with a country accent saying like what did he say they like oh he said bottoms up like he was like you know good luck bottoms up and they cheersed their ayahuasca and drank it like it was a shot at a bar and I was like this is weird but I mean everyone like I said needs to learn in their own ways have their own experiences to each their own but ayahuasca has become like a lot more popular in the past few years ayahuasca is a tea that is made from two plants one plant is the one containing the dmt right so the chakruna which is also known um in the traditions as the rainha which is the queen right so it's another you know, recipe of the king and the queen. So the chakruna and rainha are the leaves, right? So this is the plant that contains DMT. And actually something interesting about this plant is that it grows from one leaf, right? So the the roots and stuff grow from the leaves instead of like the stems or anything. So I I always think that that's such an interesting thing. Um, 
and it grows pretty wildly. I sometimes I'll just be in the middle of nowhere, like in the jungle, it, like, you know, hiking to a waterfall and it's just growing in the middle of nowhere. So it is very common, I guess, in tropical areas. Um, but something about this plant um, is that yes, it contains DMT, but our body actually can't process and experience the DMT without the other plant in the recipe to make ayahuasca, which is the vine. It's the capi vine, also called jagubi, which is um, uh, king in in Portuguese. So um, the two of them, the vine is an inhibitor and it allows your body and your stomach to actually you know, process and break down the DMT in your system so you can feel the DMT trip. And what's interesting about ayahuasca is that it's a DMT trip, but it lasts like eight hours. So you are tripping on DMT for a long time, whereas smoking DMT is a very quick experience. Smoking DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, Changa, it's a very quick, like, you know, 15 minutes, you know, at most, I feel like it's usually like a 10 to 15 minute trip. And, um, it, uh, is just a totally, it's like, if you were to, to smoke DMT, it would be like a sped up version of doing an ayahuasca ceremony where it's just all at once happening. And it's, for me, that's like super, intense and a little uh too much for my personal liking but um I did live in an ayahuasca community for uh about a year and a half almost two years and I was part of the like help and the people serving so like holding the space and um this came about because I moved over here to Costa Rica with my family, with my mom and my brother, and my mom had come here to experience ayahuasca and do a yoga retreat and become certified to teach yoga, and she fell in love with the community here and wanted us to come move out and experience living in the community, drinking ayahuasca, and it... um was pretty interesting. The first three times that I sat in ceremony drinking ayahuasca, I did not feel a single thing. And I think that's because I had huge expectations for what this was. I really didn't have much um, information about what it was or like what it does to you. And I just, I thought it was going to make me crazy because <laughs> that's usually the, the simple response to any of these drugs. People just think it's going to make you, you know, turn psycho and that's it. So I was like, oh my gosh, what is it going to unlock in me? Like it's too much. So I didn't experience anything the first three times that I sat with ayahuasca and I, it kind of made me upset. I was like, uh, there's something wrong with me. You know, I can't experience this medicine. And I was just you know, seeing everyone around me fully in it and experiencing crazy things and like crying and, and seeing light. And like, you could see through their eyes that they're just seeing other things, you know? 
And yeah, so I was kind of upset with myself for not being able to experience anything, but it wasn't until I came back to Costa Rica after some time, um, still with my family, but it was um, the day before my birthday. And on my birthday, they were having a ceremony. So uh, it was just like a pure <laughs> gateway portal to whatever I had to experience that time. And it was just everything at once. It was like a full on eight hour smoking DMT experience. It was literally like my experience smoking DMT, but for hours <laughs> laying down, not being able to move and just all this information coming in. And it was just so much information, so much stuff coming in at once that like, after that experience, I was like, okay, I don't think I can take ayahuasca in this full dose and fully receive in this way. I don't think that's where I need to learn my lessons because it's just too much for me to comprehend what is going on. So after that ceremony, I kind of, since we had decided we were going to start living here, I went to the, the practitioners of the medicine, <laughs> the ones they, that are serving the medicine, um, and I was like, Hey, you know, I had this really crazy experience. I don't know if I will be able to take medicine in that way again, but I still want to be involved in the ceremonies. I still want to be singing the, the medicine songs and like occasionally maybe have a little bit of an experience, but like, I just, I'm not interested in fully blasting off, um, anymore for now. And, um, since we're living here, you know, could I be part of the help? If you guys need help, you know, I would love to learn. And they're like, awesome, cool. And slowly but surely I got, you know, initiated <laughs> into the little um, community family of hosting and serving medicine. And some interesting things went down there. Maybe that's a story for another episode, but I personally don't align with working in medicine communities or in any sort of conscious community, eco community vibe thing, because I just think these people are full of shit, honestly, because it's like, you know, if we don't actually face our shadows and we're just trying to be high all the time on some sort of psychedelic to be cool with each other like that's not really how this life is supposed to go in my eyes so I kind of separated myself from that I did have a quite a few profound experiences on ayahuasca when I was just helping just having a very small amount like having like literally two sips you know spaced out throughout the whole night and I would blast off and like meet aliens and my my spirit guides if you want to call them and like experiencing all the the anger and anxiety and control in my body like moving into my stomach to then be purged out like I've had quite a few experiences you know just really intense not having like a crazy amount and that's why I say like these medicines it really doesn't matter the amount that you're taking it's about what you need to experience with it so I mean I think the most profound experiences that I had were actually more so of a microdose of ayahuasca rather than sitting and having like a huge cup of it um I actually can't even consume a large amount because it just comes right up for me um I think it's just too much to 
Um, I have a pretty low tolerance to things, I feel like. I like to think that I have a big tolerance to things, but <laughs> it's really me just hiding the fact that I can experience these things with a lower amount and thinking that I'm, I'm this big, huge person that needs a lot of medicine to feel anything. But no, I, I'm pretty sensitive. And I think that um, smaller doses of things impacts me more than larger doses um but yeah so that's kind of uh my experience with ayahuasca if if people want to know more about like the detail of these experiences and like the detail of the communities or like the just the community that I was in but like the community outlook and like how I feel about that then you know, let me know and maybe I'll make a podcast answering questions on that if people have questions about how that goes. Um, but I wanted to move on to mescaline, which is most commonly found in cactuses known as San Pedro and peyote. Um, and they are... <laughs> like I said, mescaline is the molecule in them that kind of make you trip out. I don't have too many experiences with these um, that are majorly profound. The main profound experience that I had with um, cactus was when I took wachuma, which is a, a, just a, a, you know, specific type of the cactus. And um, I took Wachuma with a, a little group of people and we hiked up to the waterfall near where I live and it was a very interesting experience. I was complete. it's like a very grounding medicine. I feel like you're, you're tripping out in a way, but like very connected to the earth. It's very masculine and very like present rather than like in the mind and twirling in the, in the stars you know so my experience with the with the um wachuma was i only took half the dose as well so <laughs> another um point being made about how i'm pretty uh lightweight i guess you could say when it comes to this stuff i only took half the dose of what was the recommended dosage and we hiked up this waterfall and it's really common with cactus that you do something that's going to pump your blood through your system because it's um like if you don't do something like with exercise or like people do it with sweat lodge to really get the breath and like the blood pumping it can cause like um, like cramps, like muscle kind of spasm cramps and like stiffness where like you can kind of get like stuck in your body. So you really want to be like working this medicine through your system and like pumping your blood essentially. And so we went on this hike and it's, I wasn't very physically active. I still am not very physically active, but um, it's a pretty long hike. It's like a, <laughs> an hour and a half hike, maybe two hours. And there's like a midway point where you can chill for a little bit. And like, I was carrying all this stuff cause I had instruments and like some stuff cause we were spending a few nights. And so I was like, at some point I started climbing up the mountain and like seeing myself like a wild cat. And like, I was on all fours just like climbing up cause I was so out of breath and I was just like breathing like a, a large animal and like I had morphed into this wild cat. 
and climbing up the mountain and then we get to the halfway point and you know everyone is just chilling for a little bit I start feeling it super strong and it was just like telling me go sit with Hape you need to have a, some sort of purge right now so I went to the the facilitator there that was carrying the medicines and I was like hey think you could serve me a little bit of Hape and he was like of course served me a nice <laughs> a nice good dosage and immediately a purge came out and it was like you could tell that it was purely an energetic purge because there wasn't much coming up, but it's like bubbly and foamy and like, you know, it just looks like toxins of sorts that needed to come up. So that was sort of my major experience. And like through the rest of the hike, I kept being called to like just sit down and sit with the forest. But since I was with a group of people and like they kept waiting on me to keep going, I was like, let me just push through it, push through it. Um, looking back now, I know I should have just sat there and like been with the forest and, you know, met all the little creatures that wanted to come to me. But I, you know, we all get stuck in our little loops of patterns and wanting to serve other people or whatever your little program is. But yeah, um, so that was sort of my, my profound experience with, with the cactus and other little times I've had a little bit but never really uh let it like I would take it closer to nighttime and I would just fall asleep without actually experiencing it and it takes a good while to start working um or feeling anything like it honestly it takes like two hours to feel anything happening so um yeah I mean it's uh very much like I said just representing masculine energy so if you need to get in touch with your masculine side um or connect to a masculine energy it's like the grandfather medicine it's very grounding um and just real quick like I mentioned before about DMT and 5-MeO and Changa um just being like a shorter way to experience DMT um, and usually these molecules are synthesized. Um, changa is the synthesized DMT put onto herbs and you can smoke it. And yeah, it's, uh, pretty interesting. I had an in interesting experience with changa where I was in California at, um, a family friend's place and it was her birthday and some guy there that apparently went to Peru and drank ayahuasca got the message of how to make changa and spread it and all this stuff. So I smoked it in this house in LA, which is very different than where I'm used to experiencing medicine, which is here in Costa Rica in the jungle. Um, and it just, like, I just saw how everyone was on a loop and it was like uh, scary and I wanted to leave and I was like heading for the door and then saw the long staircase and I was like, nope, can't go down those stairs right now. I, I did smoke 5-MeO DMT once. I didn't appreciate that so much because it f feels very druggy to um, smoke this thing out of this contraption. And 5-MeO DMT, the original molecule comes from the Bufo frog. So it's another frog medicine. But what I smoked was the synthesized version of 5-MeO. And yeah, you just smoke it out of this weird like crack pipe looking thing and it just felt very druggy and since it's like this shorter experience like 
I just don't like being knocked out, you know, and not being able to move and feeling like I'm in some weird loop of sorts or like some weird dimension where I'm not even real in my body. So that was like, I did, I did feel like, you know, it, it was nice. It was like, I felt all the love and the angels around me and stuff. And it was nice. But like, like I said, it's just a short, fast, intense experience. And I'm not really, I'm not really, uh, one to enjoy <laughs> short, fast and intense. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then I've smoked DMT, just the, the crystals of DMT a couple of times. And that's just the similar thing where it's just, it's just too much for me. I, I like the whole like ceremonial sense where you can like make a whole day out of this thing and like put all your intentions into it and like be praying for hours in there and like really, um, I don't know. It's like this whole journey. It's like you have to, it's like this whole storyline. You have to face this sort of uncomfortableness to unlock the the fullest potential of yourself and like there's usually some sort of purge that happens to fully unlock that capability and then once you get past that then you're like in this you know ultimate god state where you're like oh my god I'm the creator of everything I have all this power I can do all these things and then you realize that the thing that you purged out is no longer needed and you close it up and you're good to go <laughs> Um, I just have a couple more medicines. Um, Iboga is one that a couple of people were interested in. Unfortunately, I don't have a very strong experience myself with Iboga. I more so microdosed it um, because I was helping in a ceremony of Iboga. So I experienced seeing someone fully experiencing Iboga, but I personally just had a little bit to keep myself awake. Um, it was sort of a tapping into my dreams a little bit when I did go to sleep, but it was like not really much to account it to the Iboga. I have crazier dreams sometimes without anything, but Iboga is a root that comes from Africa. And um, a story that I heard is that uh, African children will take Iboga and like race each other to the moon and like it's like you enter like this dream like state where it's like you're looking at this it's like you're dreaming but you're fully awake in your mind and like aware that you're dreaming in some sense it's like being lucid in a dream but it's like as soon as you shut your eyes it's a movie screen of dream and then if you try to intrigue on it and try to change it then it will stop and it's very a very delicate space where like you can travel in your like in all this different stuff I haven't like I said I haven't experienced it full on myself so I don't know I I'm just repeating like the experiences that um these people in this ceremony had but um uh yeah it's some sort of like little dream state paralysis that you're in your body kind of shuts down and like you can barely stand up or walk you need to be like helped to the bathroom and you're just laying down and it's it, depending on how the people serve it, it's uh, usually for a ceremony, it's like a full 
48 hours. You take the iboga and it lasts like 24 hours and then they'll dose you again and you go and you go into another round of 24 hours. So it's like, it's seriously two days that you're not doing anything, but you're fully like awake and aware during these two days. You're not sleeping, but you're totally in a dream. It's very interesting. And when I was um, holding space for these ceremonies, there needed to be someone constantly awake with them, obviously, because they're going through this the whole time. So we would do different shifts on and off. And you need to be monitoring their oxygen intake, um, their heart rate. Um, you need to, you know, be tapping in with them, like connecting and, you know, bringing them back to here and being like, okay, what are you learning? Like, what are, what are the messages happening? Because if you don't really get reminded of these things, it's very easy to forget afterwards. Um, like waking up, you know, you forget your dream pretty easily. Um, uh, this this medicine represents very much a chief spirit for West Africa, Central West Africa. It's their chief plant spirit, um, and it's been used for thousands of years um, in Africa. And it's it rewires your brain to love, right? And it's profound for people with addictions because it goes back to these pivotal moments in our life where it's like these crossroads and it's like sometimes we take a turn that takes us on this huge detour um, because of something in our brain that wasn't aligning to the frequency of love. And it can be so simple as, you know, when you're a baby, you're crying in your room and you're crying and you're crying and your mom doesn't hear you because there's music or or TV on and you're just crying and thinking that you're not loved and you're you're not safe. Um, so your brain like will wire that to like you not being loved and not being safe and not being protected by your mother. Meanwhile, your mom comes in a little bit later and is like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm here, I'm here. But it's like your brain automatically chooses these systems based on the things that you're surrounded by. So it, it will go back to those moments and like show you it like it's a dream or like it's a movie and like show you how there's not anything wrong with these experiences and feeling this way, but everyone is trying their best and we just all need to understand that there's love and that we can experience love and create that love and protection and safeness for ourselves. Um, so it's a very, very beautiful medicine and I would love to experience it full on myself. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I wanted lastly actually no there's um two more so mdma um <laughs> was i feel like the most recent intense experience that i went through that is like the freshest experience um it was the first time that i have ever taken mdma and i took it's i guess it's different than what people call mdma but sassafras so it was um, gathered or harvested from plants around. And my friend over here is a chemist and he made it himself. So I knew that it was like pure with love and beautiful intentions. So I felt very safe taking it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever take 
something in like some sort of pill form that's like mixed with other stuff. So MDMA is the the molecule that's in ecstasy in Molly, but it's mixed with other things so that you want to party and stuff. But MDMA um, at its core is also being used to treat things like PTSD and borderline personality disorder. It increases your empathy and your communication skills um, and just being connected to everything around you. It just is finishing right now stage three trials for PTSD and having really good astounding results and um, I think it's amazing that people are finding this medicine because I think this is more so for, for things, like I said, dealing with personality disorders or not being able to, um, have empathy, which is kind of like my issue for the things going with the ayahuasca community where DMT kind of affirms your state of mind and like shows you the power in that and like, you know, how your set of tools has brought you perfectly to this moment and can sort of give you like this God complex. And if you don't have empathy for other people, this can kind of go in a very weird, obscure way with the DMT and ayahuasca and mushrooms where it's like you can manipulate people because it shows you how you can manipulate this world, right? Where MDMA is more like a symbiotic relationship happening with you and the things around you. So th this is at least how I experienced it. I It was on my birthday again, which is <laughs> usually a very um, fast track way to, to enter a portal of what you need to learn. But um, my experience with MDMA was like all these spirits, I was in like... I was in this community where I say that there's like power struggles happening and like weird things going on. I was in that location, right, in this community and I had taken MDMA and essentially all these different spirits of the forest and spirits of the land were coming to me and asking me for help, asking me for assistance, asking me for prayers to help them be sent to the light. And it was just like, I was communicating with these spirits, but also communicating with all the plants around and like the whole jaw chattering thing very much represented to me, like how communication happens vibrationally. And it was like my connection um, to just, you know, all the plants around me and like being able to communicate with them. So it's, yeah, it, I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy it was a crazy experience. Um, made me feel very friendly and in love with everything around me. It was like everything was just a cute little creature to me. Like the the spirits, which usually I would get afraid because I've always been able to see spirits or like things come to me. Aliens have visited me, <laughs> which that's also for another podcast if you want. But um I usually have always shut that down because I was told that that was scary and wrong and like not real. So I shut it down, get afraid of it. But the MDMA really helped me realize that like these beings are not any different than me. And like we can work together and be friends with each other and help each other out instead of fearing each other 
and thinking that like and like having this opposite energy that like contradicts each other and just causes more pain and um confusion so that was kind of my experience with the mdma it was quite interesting um and yeah uh it's also i know that people use it in relationships like married couples will use it with each other to kind of like form those bonds again and fall back in love with each other and stuff and it really just breaks down those shields that we have like being like i'm right and i'm this and you're that and you know we're different and blah 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 and it's like no we're the same at our core we just might think things from our own perspective which is <laughs> what we're here to do so once we drop that like difference we're the same at the core um but anyway i just wanted to end on one last one that I'm going to be kind of grouping together in a way, Kratom and Kava. They're very uh, widely known together. I think they they work together for many people. They work nicely together. Me personally, I cannot. I think it's Kratom that I have the problem with though. Kratom is just, it doesn't sit right with me. I get nauseous. I want to throw up every time I try Kratom. When I tried kava for the first time, it was mixed with kratom, and I just threw up. It was not fun. I felt really sick. Um, but kava on its own, I've enjoyed. It's just a root like ginger or turmeric would be, right? So the kava root is made into a tea, and this tea made with kava relaxes you. It can assist with sleep. It can help with pain, like menstrual cramps, and it just mellows you out. It's like a really, I feel like it's almost like being the most relaxing drunk, right? Where you're just like chilling. It's like kind of like this drunk feeling, but like aware instead of being like, you know, not capable of knowing where you are and shit. Um, and I don't drink often, so I'm not too sure, but I just remember being like, oh, I kind of feel like a little bit tipsy, drunkish in a way. Um, and that was when I mixed the two until the kratom made me throw up. <laughs> and now this was just when I was in like a kava bar and they had the two straight. I didn't know that like people... This was like quite a few years ago too. So I had no clue what Kratom was. And like, if you look into it, it's pretty intense. It Kratom binds to your op opioid receptors in your brain. So it kind of acts like an opioid in a way. So people with addictions can wean off their, like their drugs with Kratom because it like, replaces that need for that drug um but in its own way it can be addictive because when it's binding to your opioid receptors you're getting this sort of really relaxing feel-good feeling it's like just alleviating pain or stress and it's just making you feel really good and mellow so that can become addictive just in its own way um, in the same way that weed can be, you know, it becomes emotionally addictive in a way, but you don't experience, um, really 
physical withdrawals. Yeah, you might, you know, if you are addicted to Kratom, and I say addicted in quotations, but like if you become dependent on it, you are going to have some sort of like mental withdrawals or like, you know, physical anxiety, but it's not going to be like, you know, throwing up because you're, you're off this drug. It's not, it's a plant. So it's not really, it's not really physically addictive in the way that hard drugs are, but, um, it's, being used effectively for different things like depression and anxiety as well. Um, and like I mentioned, just people um, with addictions to different prescription medication or pills or anything like this is a really good plant to help wean you off of those things. Um, and yeah, my partner currently... Um, takes a little bit of kratom here and there because he struggles with a bit of anxiety and I say a bit <laughs> very lightly because it's 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 quite a bit um, but it helps him a lot and I can tell when he's taken kratom because he's just like he can do things and he can be chill you know instead of being anxious about everything so it's a it's a really good powerful medicine and I think all these medicines as long as they're serving you well then you're using it as a medicine and there's nothing to be wrong like there's nothing wrong with that and something about plant medicines that I've realized is that once you don't need these plant medicines anymore they kind of don't work well with you you start to not feel well on it it starts to like just make you feel worse than you did before so then it's like okay this medicine isn't serving me anymore time to give it a break you know, maybe try something new, maybe detox myself a little bit. But um, yeah, that's basically it on the medicines that I've come across, the medicines that I've experienced. Of course, there's other medicines out there. I have not experienced every medicine. This is just the little list that I've compiled thus far um, in the few years of being on this little journey of life that I'm in. Um, and I think it's it's a quite large array of different medicines for the age that I am. I mean, I'm only 22 right now. And, you know, for the past four, maybe five years is when I've been introduced and experiencing all these different medicines. But it started, you know, at a really young age. You know, the first time I took ayahuasca, I was 17. Um, so... I was almost 18 when I first took it. So, uh, yeah, I experienced this stuff at a pretty young age. Um, so I think that's sort of just my little um, purpose is to help people come into these things with as clear of an idea of what they're getting themselves into as possible. And like I mentioned before, please don't experience these medicines without someone else guiding you through it that knows what they're doing and whatever qualifications you feel is acceptable for that. You know, go with your gut always with this stuff. But, you know, even if you go to a medicine community in 
Peru or, you know, anywhere, anywhere, Colombia, Brazil, Costa Rica, no matter where you go, there's going to be people that only care about the money. So if you don't feel right about things, don't, (laughs) don't do things there. If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't feel a hundred percent, yes, then it's a no. So, and the medicine will always find you when you need to experience the medicine, the medicine will always find you in the perfect aligned ways. Sometimes we just have to, you know, come face to face with our own stuff before we can fully experience these medicines. So we can have the fullest capacity of the experience and the, get the full potential of the medicine from it instead of having these different things clouding our mind. Um, but yeah, that is basically it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much for listening and hearing about my experiences and the little bit of knowledge that I have on this stuff. Um, if any of these medicines call out to you from these um, podcasts, I love to hear about your experience with them. Um, yeah, and I will see you on the flip side, baby booze. <laughs> Catch me on different social media, Instagram, um, YouTube, SoundCloud, Cure the Sun. And yeah, let me know your questions, comments, concerns, and I will see you next time. Love you. Ciao.